what I love about it is what Paul is saying in context is the reason I can do all of this, the reason I can serve, that I can be a missionary, that I can be an apostle, the reason I can reach out to you and ask you to listen to me is not because of anything I have done. It's not because of any persecution done to me. The reason why is because Christ's grace is in me. God's grace is with me and it's sufficient. Welcome to season two of the Call to Service podcast. In each episode, we highlight a service missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are here to highlight the unique opportunities that disciples of Jesus Christ have to serve the one just as he did. I'm your host, Macy Herbert. This is season two, episode three, and today we are interviewing Elder Sean Law, and he is from the Fort Collins, Colorado mission. How are you, Elder Sean Law? I'm going to struggle with that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm doing well. How are you? Super great. Super excited to hear your story today. So um, yeah, go ahead and just get started and you can share a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Elder Sean Law. It's a tricky last name. Um, I'm a service missionary in Timnath, Colorado, right by Fort Collins. It's north of Denver. Um, I'm 19, which is probably a pretty common age. Um, I enjoy being out about in the outdoors. Um, I like running cross country, playing ultimate frisbee. Um, I'm also a pretty big nerd. So I love math. I love science, love school. Um, yeah, that it kind of sums me up right now. Most of my life is mission stuff at the moment. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so you told me that you had been, um, you just applied straight. Well, you didn't apply straight to a service mission, but you got called to a service mission. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us a little bit about that process. What prompted you to serve a mission and um, how did you get called to a service mission? All right. To explain that story, I got to go back a couple of years before. Um, so back in probably middle school is a good place to start. Um, I grew up in Provo for much of elementary school. So a lot of people from our church there, a lot of missionary examples. And so I kind of grew up just knowing I wanted to serve a mission. And when I went into high school, I moved to Ohio, this little town called Oxford and loved the town. Um, I was in a little branch. And so I was the only guy in my high school. I was a big jump from Provo. And it made me really want to go serve a mission. It made me want to stand for what I believed. And I thought there's, you know, it would just work because going on a mission is, you know, it's a righteous thing to want. And um, my, just before my sophomore year of high school, I started having, I had a leg injury, I guess, at the time. And it kept coming back and I kept getting in the way of running. And I won't go in depth, but over the next couple of years, um, it developed into a full pain, neurological, chronic pain condition. They don't really know what, so I don't have a good name. Um, Yeah, I don't have a good name, but it ended up impacting a lot more than I ever thought it would. Um, So the year I turned 18, I was thinking about a mission. I decided to go to college, go to a year of BYU and just see how it went. So I remember thinking that I might not be able to serve a mission. Um, and that was difficult <laughs> to realize that it might not be possible just by nature, nothing I had done wrong. And I had 
great ministers who were service mission leaders at the time, and which is pretty uncommon for, especially a few years ago. And they taught me about service missions. That was the first time I knew that was a possibility. Um, but it was always kind of in the back of my mind, at least at that time. Mm-hmm. So I went to college and didn't, it went well. Um, but whatever is wrong with me, it caused me to be in a wheelchair about a fifth of the time. And mm-hmm. so when you're like that, it's a little bit difficult um, to go out knocking doors. Um, I couldn't walk a lot of the time and there's other difficulties too. And so my second semester out, I knew that I wanted to serve a mission. I didn't know if I was going to be able to, and I had no idea what it would look like. So I was just submitting papers and figuring like God would work it out was the idea. And the moment when it all kind of came to a head about like what I was going to do and what I was doing, I went in to meet my state president and went in for the meeting and, you know, the mission papers process, I'd already met with all my doctors, had it all filled out, already met with my bishop. Um, this is like the last step to get submitted. And I knew there was problems with my health. <laughs> um, just waiting to see what he said. And we started talking. And at some point, health came up pretty early. And he told me that like he wasn't going to sugarcoat it. And he told me that if he was me, um, he knew that I was worthy to serve a mission and he knew that I wanted to, but if he was in my shoes, he told me I would walk out that door and I wouldn't submit papers. I would stop where you are um, because I don't think you can serve a mission with your health. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would be smart to try. Um, that was hard to hear. <laughs> it was very hard to hear, especially in the moment. Because mm-hmm. um, it was thoughts I had, but it wasn't what I was expecting to be told. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was good that he told me that. I Because I think he was right in getting me to think about it and make me really consider, is this what I want? And what I ended up asking, as I said, I, I still want to try. Will you submit my papers specifically to a service mission? And he's like, I I can do that. I He wasn't mm-hmm. sure. And honestly, I don't know the route my papers took. Um, there were some delays along the way. So mm-hmm. about six months, I think, after... I had tried to submit them. Um, I finally got my call. And it was actually after my availability date had already passed. So that was <laughs> kind of fun as well. Just just waiting and not knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure if they would call me as a service missionary or if they would say, you know, it's not possible. Like, thank you for your desire, but this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. And I got my call. I don't remember what day I got it, but I think I opened it like three or four days later, um, which my friends thought it was crazy. They yeah. just thought I should just open it. But I was waiting until I could get my family together. Mm-hmm. And I opened it and, you know, it was a call. <laughs> and it was a call to serve as a service missionary. And I remember just crying because um, I knew that that was going to be different and that would be difficult. And I've always wanted to serve a proselyting mission. But at the same time, once I was confronted with this idea of you probably can't serve a mission, it all just kind of changed. Like my perspective totally changed. It's just, I want to serve. However mm-hmm. I can serve, I want to serve. And I think a really cool part of the service mission program is they're making that possible. If you want to serve, you can serve. And that's the goal of the program. And I love that idea. Yeah, absolutely. I love how versatile um, you can make your schedules. Um, and especially for people who have health issues and, and disabilities, they can really, they can put in what they give. And I remember 
the like li- not the limit but like the recommendation was like 40 hours a week and there were missionaries in my mission I knew were putting in far more than 40 hours a week like they were making it a full t- it is a full-time mission despite um those those disabilities or those those things those limit limitations so that's way cool so tell us a little bit about what you do as a service missionary so (laughs) um as a little just like backdrop to what i do um because of my health i'm pretty physically limited but i'm pretty mentally with it so (laughs) my assignments mostly focus on what i'm good at and that's mental um so I am kind of all over. Every day for me is different. And um, yeah, none of them are repeats. Um, I enjoy it. This yeah, every mission is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so different things I do. I work at an elementary school um, in my neighborhood. And I work for, I've actually never done the math before, maybe like 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I help with math for first through fifth grade. So every grade, I do something different. I help kids that need additional help. Um, I just assist the teachers however they want. Sometimes I, <laughs> with first grade, I get to do, um, it's like a gifted group. And so I'm trying to get them to do things that they're not used to trying to do. And it's pretty fun. Um, I've never kind of loved being around kids as much as I do now. They're just very sweet and wholesome. It's a lot of fun. Um, it was also cool that the elementary school allowed me to wear a badge. Um, I told them going in that I needed to wear a badge, like it, it's not negotiable. Um, and they agreed. So I don't talk about religion. Um, mm-hmm. I can't talk about religion and I'm not trying to, I'm just there to serve and I really enjoy it. So that's one of my activities. Um, what else do I do? I work at the temple as an ordinance worker and I also work at the distribution center, um, the temple distribution center helping to unpack their shipments um about once a week well once a week not about once a week yeah. um i help i participate in and i will be helping teach an adaptive needs online institute class um so that's i think mostly people in the u.s um with different adaptive needs um and i just assist basically however i can and we'll see where that goes. It may end up with me helping teach or teaching certain lessons. So that's, it's a really interesting way to learn and teach the gospel. Um, so I enjoy that. I work with a BYU Pathway Connect um, with a group from Sierra Leone. So that's been fun. Um, mm-hmm. Very different, different time zone, different culture. Um, sometimes it feels like a different language. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's also, it's really rewarding. Um, that helps when it works well. Um, I do, I'll be starting to teach, um, help, help volunteer teach group music lessons for a nonprofit, um, probably guitar, um, mm-hmm. lessons to kids that are for free, just to help kids that, um, I couldn't pay for them otherwise, offer them an mm-hmm. opportunity to learn guitar. And I do online work for, um, the music organization Off the Hook Arts, and also for another organization called True Africa. And both of those I'm basically just helped with um, 
basically file organizing and sending out mm-hmm. information. It's not that glamorous, but I enjoy it. Something I can do when my health is bad. Um, I think, oh, and then I also have a calling in my home, um, Young Single Adult Ward, and I'm the eldest quorum president. So um, that was a surprise to get that yeah. call because um, as I understand it, that's not a very typical call for a service missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got permission to call me. And so that takes up a lot of time because <laughs> um, it's a pretty busy calling. So I go to a lot of YSA activities and I have a good number of meetings I go to. And it's something I think about a lot and work on. And that's been a wonderful experience because I mean, callings are a great way to be involved um, in kind of like mission-like things. Mm-hmm. It's the same work, just yeah. a different name. And I've loved um, learning more about leadership, specifically from that. Things that I haven't, like they, they're not really relevant to my service mission, at least not now. Um, but for me, it's really interesting to learn and it's helped me grow a lot in my calling as well. So, Yeah, absolutely. Wow. You have a full plate. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot that you do. But um, just like you said, like you may not be like physically able to do a lot of things, but mentally you can do so many things. And there's a wide variety. There are so many organizations out there that um, are available for missionaries to help with. And um I've even seen opportunities open up where maybe they weren't available initially, but service missionaries were able to go and and help. So that's really neat. I've never appreciated how much need there was before. Like most of these places, it's just like reach out and ask and they're like, oh yeah, we could use a volunteer. Yeah. That's really cool to be able to just serve. Absolutely. Um, My mission leaders got released not too long ago and, um, when I went to their or their homecoming, my um, sister mission leader was talking about how when they first joined the mission, it was just overwhelming how many opportunities there were to serve in the community. And they, at the time, didn't have a lot of missionaries. And it's just, you don't realize how much there is a need for service until you really dive in to the situation and do some research. That's really cool. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. I can add one other thing to my schedule. Something I think that was really cool is that I was able to build my own schedule. And I know part of that depends on the mission, like the opportunities and also just, you know, (laughs) it all depends on your mission. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought that was really cool because it's not only built around like my needs um, physically, but it's also like I love to teach and I love music. And so I look for opportunities in teaching and music. And I mean, uh, it doesn't mean you make those the majority of what you do. You still seek guidance, but it's also, it's very cool that I mean, you can do the things that you want to do. You can find things you're interested in. You can make your mission something that you look forward to in more ways than just, you know, it being a spiritual experience. Absolutely. I love that. Thanks for sharing that aspect of it as well. Well, um, to end, would you like to just share a scripture or something that's helped motivate you throughout your mission? Yeah, I'd love to. Like you closer to Christ. We always want to keep it Christ-centered, right? Yeah. Um, my favorite scripture and my mission scripture, um, 
it comes from second Corinthians. Um, and it's, most of us are used to hearing from ether 12, um, about our weaknesses. And I love that scripture. Um, I'm going to look at it a little differently because second Corinthians 12 has a similar scripture, which, um, I guess probably listeners won't remember come follow me for the last couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. but we recently talked about, um, so in second Corinthians 12, to get a little, give a little bit of a backdrop. Um, Paul was writing to the Corinthians and the Corinthians aren't listening to him very well. Um, <laughs> they're listening to other leaders that are leading them astray. And so he starts talking about, um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain because it's a little bit strange logic. It's basically like him saying, you should listen to me just because of my call and because I love you, want to do good. But if you're looking for qualifications, here's mine. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into this list. It's very impressive because it's Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the things he's gone through and all the things he's done, the whole time saying like, this doesn't really matter, but because you're making it matter, here you are. And in 2 Corinthians 12, he reaches like the peak of that list. And I think it's really interesting. Um, this has stuck with me for years. And <laughs> I think y'all will understand why in a, in a second. Um, so he comes to 2 Corinthians 12 and he says, basically, I'm going to come to visions. So I'm going to talk about visions. And he says, he, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. And really what he's doing there is that's him. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I knew a guy. Um, <laughs> and this person got caught up to the third heaven and heard unspeakable words. So to us, it's like saying he saw the celestial kingdom. He had this fantastic vision. It's like, okay, you can't really have anything greater than that as a qualifier, but he does. And he goes on to say, um, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And to give a little perspective, what he calls a thorn, it's not like a little thorn. Uh, The word is also used for like a tent stick. So this is like a big, painful thing. It's the most painful to him. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it's a little confusing why he's talking about this. Because he's talking about all these things that qualify him for the work and qualify him to be an apostle. So why why talk about what bothers you? And the reason why is the answer he gets. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And this is my favorite verse. And somehow the Lord says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I'll read verse 10 too. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And what's powerful to me there, <laughs> I cannot say I take pleasure in infirmities. That's so far from how I feel. <laughs> and what I love about it is what Paul is saying in context is the reason I can do all of this. The reason I can serve, that I can be a missionary, that I can be an apostle. The reason I can reach out to you and ask you to listen to me is not because of anything I have done. It's not because of any persecution done to me. The reason why is because Christ's grace is in me. God's grace is with me. And it's sufficient. And that's his own words to me. And he told me that. And it's the same words that you'll find in Ether 12. Uh, My grace is sufficient. Um, 
and it appears a couple, well, at least one other place. And it's really interesting to look at where the Lord is always the one that says that phrase, my grace is sufficient. And I love the follow-up, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Because the way I've heard Ether 12 talked about most of the time is that the Lord takes our weaknesses, we're humble, we give them to him, and he makes them our strengths. And that is a way it works. But sometimes we have weaknesses he doesn't take away. And I know for me, my health is one thing that has not been taken away. (laughs) (laughs) And someday, I fully do believe it will be, whether in this life or in the resurrection. But for now, it was not taken away. It wasn't taken away for me to save a proselyting mission. And it's as bad now as 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 it ever has been. And what I love about this is I don't need it to be a strength for it. I, yeah, I guess that's just it. I don't need it to be a strength because when I am weak, then God is strong in me. Then I feel his grace. And I love that idea, especially because I'm serving in weakness a lot of the time. Like I am not able to do a lot of the things I am called to do. And I don't need to be able to, because when I admit that I am weak, then God gives me grace. Christ gives me grace. Then I'm stronger. And that's what I love. It's Christ gives us the power to do his work. And that's what I found in serving a service mission through difficulties, because there are a lot of difficulties in every kind of mission for every missionary. And through mine, what I've found is Christ is always there and he does not care about like, he doesn't care that I am weak. He cares about me. And so I can be weak and he will help me just as much. And I am able to do a part of his work because he called me to it. And so I love that idea. That was beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony of that and for sharing um, what you learned from that scripture. I think you put it into beautiful words of something that I've experienced in my own life. And I've just been trying to like grasp how it's kind of how his grace is working in my life as I've recognized that. Thank you so much for your time this evening and for sharing your testimony with us. And I hope that this touches a lot of lives and um, people can feel Christ's grace working in their life as they learn to recognize it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and you can stream this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to share with your friends and spread the love of Jesus Christ.